Welcome back to my dad's podcast, season two, My Blackest Challenge National. Follow him on Twitter or Instagram. Hope you enjoy the show. Bye! everyone you are listening to my black is transnational my name is dr kalechi ive lamberts and coming up on today's episode we will have our guest miss anu oshideko who will be speaking on the aging process and health and how we can be able to um, take care of ourselves but also how we can be able to take care of our parents and the aging elderly members of our communities the needs that are out there for people in the black community and the black immigrant community. But before we get into that, let's go through our usual formalities. If this is your first time listening to My Black is Transnational, you can find this podcast on any of your favorite podcast listening apps, whether it's Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, Anchor, we're all, we're everywhere, um, we're everywhere you want to be. <laughs> uh, just kidding. But we are definitely in, in all those platforms. But if you are if you like what you hear, you can always subscribe to the podcast. And you can always check out our website at blacktransnational.wixsite.com slash podcast. And on that website, you can find everything that you need to know about the podcast, our guests, upcoming episodes, and things that we'll be doing in the near future. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can also contact us through the website. And if you just want to email us, maybe you want to just hit us up directly, you can email us at blacktransnational17 at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at blacktransnationalpodcast. And you can follow me, the host, at blacktransnational underscore on Instagram. Um, We're on Twitter as well, but we don't tweet as much and we need to do a better job. And I keep saying we will, but um, here we are. So we will do a better job, though, I promise. I just don't know when exactly we'll start really getting on with the tweeting, but we will start getting that rolling very soon. All right. So back to the topic at hand. On this episode, we have Miss Anu Oluakpo Oshideko, who is a very, very good mentee of mine from way back when until now, who's done a lot of work with me in the past when we first started this transnational agenda and has now grown into an expert when it comes to gerontology in a sense, or I should maybe not say gerontology, but really working with the aging community. She has a lot of passion and interest and expertise working with the aging community as an administrator and also as a researcher. So she and I have a really good conversation about just what's happening with our, with, with our aging uh, members and we're all aging so I use the term aging but I'm speaking more so for our elderly communities and even those who are middle-aged and some of the challenges and barriers that exist in a black community for our elderly not just african-americans but also our african immigrants in particular because of how they just kind of blend in the overarching black community so this conversation is a little bit more serious and more so about raising awareness and 
creating education or at least a space for knowledge and education. So we really do try to hone in on some of the conversations that are happening and some of the things that are happening through research and and uh, and, and different studies. So we, we try to get a little serious with that uh, to try to make sure that in the future, when it comes to being a caretaker or even when it comes to taking care of yourself, like you have some idea of some of the challenges and barriers that we face as a black community and even as a black immigrant transnational community and how we can possibly try to overcome it and some of the steps that we can take to make sure that we overcome some of these challenges. So with that being said, I'll stop with the introductions and I will transition us into our conversation with Ms. Anulakpo Oshideko here on My Black is Transnational. Enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome to My Black is Transnational and today our special guest for today's episode is someone that's near and dear to my heart, someone that I've known for a very long time, um, one of the bright up-and-coming minds and just one of the truest hard workers that I've ever seen with my own very eyes. Um, and she will be talking with us about her experience and her expertise when it comes to aging. Um, and it's just been really good to see this person grow before my very eyes. So on the show, I'd like for us to welcome Mrs. Anuoluakpo Oshideko on the show. Christian known as Agnes. <laughs> but yes, welcome to the show, sis. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing very well. Thanks. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to join the show and just share your your time with us and educate us about what you do. So if you could quickly please just give our listeners a background of who you are so I don't, you know, I want to give you accolades, but I think it's for you to give yourself you know, the opportunity to share what you do and who you are to our listeners. So please go ahead. So as um, Dr. Ibe Lambert already said, my name is Anu Oluwafo Oshideko. I am currently at the VA. Um, my background relates to aging, as he stated already, specifically within the gerontology aging uh, area. I am a University of Illinois trained uh public health profession, as well as Brown University. I'm getting used to talking about myself because I am very shy when it comes to that um, in regards to the work of experience and um, and depth of knowledge that I've obtained over the years. Uh, but it's refreshing to for me to be able to have this platform and coming, I'll, I'll say it's full circle, coming right back um, to transnationalism and the work that I had the opportunity to work with you on as an undergraduate at the U of I. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I think it's very poetic how you mentioned it because it is full circle um, coming back. Uh, for those who do not know, Anu was one of my very first research assistants when I was at the University of Illinois. I mean, when we started, for those who listened to the past episode that I had with Dr. Lunga Shishwaka on Congolese, um, when we started this whole transnationalism agenda, Anu was one of the key research assistants that was on this journey with us when we started this and launched this idea. So, you know, to see everything kind of come back to this podcast, and I think it's it's fitting that you are on the show talking with us about what you're doing and how it might tie into transnationalism, being a transnational yourself. Right. So right, I do agree. Yeah, so are you you were born here or were you born in Nigeria? 
I was born in the state of Illinois at the University of Illinois at Chicago. So I was born in Chicago, um, raised in the south suburbs in Flossmore, um, but I heavily identify as a Nigerian-American um, and have my roots specifically in um, Nigeria. And if you want to break it down, down, I am Ijebu, so... <laughs> Man, that's for people who don't know, that's like Yoruba, right? So, yeah. So, but I mean, that I appreciate you breaking it all the way down to the nitty gritty, educators, enlighten us. So, I mean, so I think, you know, when it comes down to what you're doing now and in your training in public health, why aging? Like, what led you to this area? From where you came from working with transnationalism and we were doing like diet and physical activity which is still relevant right. to the aging population, but what led you to be more so into administration and working in the VA and things of that nature? Correct. I mean, first and foremost, let's let's go back again. You mentioned that um, I worked with you pertaining to research, but what you you didn't message mentioned was the fact that I was also an assistant admin with you at the multicultural healthcare center, sure. where we saw a array of people there. Um, from those who, you know, first came into the country and maybe they had a spouse that was at U of I and they didn't have, you know, insurance yet and they needed to get their kids into school all the way from, you know, that mama that came to watch the kids mm -hmm. that, you know, had some sort of issue going on and, and came to the clinic. So I would say that opportunity as well as McNair really, you know, I really asked myself a question yeah, where do I want to go with this? Like, you can be as general or very specific when it comes to the realm of public health, but I realized that I really needed to key in and, and hone in, but it really stemmed from my grandfather. Um, I was blessed and, 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 and privileged enough to have him in my life until he was 102 years old. Uh, my grandfather lived in Nigeria, but he came and stayed with us uh, every other year for almost a year at a time. Um, up until the point or up until the age of uh, to about 98 or 99, he didn't use a cane um, and he was extremely healthy. So I will say specifically within aging, it came from my grandfather. And I heard this quote that stated, as I am, so you'll be, as you are, so I was. Mm. And it really spoke death to me because we're constantly aging. You know, we've entered into an entire new decade. Um, and I look back and I reflect 10 years ago, I was just a child. I was an adolescent. And I look at myself now that I'm now giving care to those who are like my grandfather. And soon I will eventually get there. My mother will get there. It's inevitable as long as God gives us another breath to breathe. I mean, I think that quote is powerful that, you know, um, that, that resonates with me because I think it just kind of speaks to the to the life course, who those who come ahead of us, we're on our way to being on that path with them. And, and when, we, when it comes to the whole concept of health, at some point, you know, we take care of them. Um, and so at some point we expect us to be taken care of as well by the future generation. So that's very powerful. Um, so what is the, what are some of the things that are happening, that's happening? Because aging is now an emerging topic it's an emerging trend in health specifically Correct. right and, and specifically with black people because we know that everyone ages right when we talk about what is 
compared to any of the other things, you can't stop yourself from aging, right? Like you can try to resist diabetes. You can try and stop, you know, um, you can try and stop things that are related to stress um, or, or even cardiovascular ailments, but you can't stop aging and all the things that come with it, right? So why is it, you know, other than that, like why is it so significant that we pay attention as younger generations I would say that we don't have anybody to depend on but ourselves. If you're looking at the aging population, it's going to double within the next 30 years. What modern technology and healthcare has done is allowed us to age and extend our life expectancy. So we are not prepared to take care of the excess of people that we will have. Um, so, and especially for um, those who are in the minority category, specifically African Americans, Blacks, Africans, um, you know, within that whole that whole demographic, we lack resources. Um, majority of us, I wouldn't even say majority of us, sorry, but that demographic has low socioeconomic, has a lot of low socioeconomic status. So it's. It's just what you stated, the cardiovascular, the diabetes, the, 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 you name it, they, you know, I've seen it, asthma and how it triggers one's health, um, and also mental health. People really do not realize how mental health really affects those who, who are aging. We're not, we're not, we're not prepared. I'm talking to people. People don't know the difference when it comes to health care insurance. They don't know, you know, what to do if something happens to, uh, to one of their family members. I, as a nursing home administrator, I, I literally had to sit there sometimes, and it wasn't necessarily my job, but I had to really break it down for some people to, so that they could understand what was happening to their loved one. And if we're talking about, you know, a population right now and, and, and a period that we're at right now that we're actually able to do something, we're going to have an influx of people, so we're not going to have the luxury to be able to sit down with people face-to-face and to be able to do that. A lot of people are not aware that the, the knowledge is the knowledge is just not out there. Yeah. The baby boom generation is already getting old, right? Like they, they yeah. they're, they're pretty much there at that stage. And, you know, um, and a lot of us in our generation, the millennial, we're getting towards the cusp of our prime where, you know, we're, we're in our, you know, mid-20s, you know, late, you know, mid-20s, early 30s, or late 30s, and even to early 40s to some degree. But we're getting to that age now where we have to be very conscious about the fact that the population is increasing, right? I think studies show that by the year 2050, like, we're going to be very overpopulated, and the supply is going to be more than the, I mean, there's going to be less than the demand because it's going to be a demand for more healthcare, more resources. Like you said, people are living longer and we as a black community and an underserved, overlooked community, specifically even if we want to just talk about immigrants in general, we're we're going to be already overlooked, but we're staying alive because the technology and the medical advancement is still present and we're using it. Even if it's at its lowest quality, we're still using it and we're living longer than you know, the expectation is because of these advances. So, like, what do you think that does for, like, you mentioned your grandpa, and you mentioned how you, you know, your grandpa would come for um, early stage and stay for a couple of years or, or a year or so. Like, what? why not nursing homes? Like, is that something that's in, like, in our culture or no? Like, So, first of all, 
first and foremost, nursing homes are a no-no for our our culture specifically. We want to look at Nigerian, Yoruba specifically. It is a no-no. It is it is absolutely disrespectful. And the reason why that is is because we're meant to take care of our older loved ones. It is a privilege. It's an honor. And it's seen as the utmost respect for you to be able to say, my loved one is is an elder. It's not old. It's, a, it's you don't, <laughs> that old. You don't use that. You say elder. My loved one is now an elder, and it is my responsibility to take care of this person. Most of the time that, you know, in, in the situation that I was in at the nursing home, I realized that most of those people who were not uh, Black their loved ones were, were there, barely got visitors um, or anything. When I had loved ones that were, and I'm not saying that they didn't have any guilt or they didn't, they didn't um, feel remorseful for, for putting their loved one there. That's, that's far from it. But when I had those residents who were black, their family members were visiting quite often, even more at times. I'd have people that come to cry um, to some of my employees and tell them that they felt guilty for leaving them. And that, and these were people who were uh, black. Mm-hmm. For Africans, I, I had over 250 beds in, in the nursing homes that I worked at, or a little bit under, sorry, it was, um, under 250 beds. I had not one African there. The one African that I did have there was estranged from his family member, and he came to the U.S. in the 60s. So it, 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 there, there wasn't such a thing. Um, so for us, you get into a, a, a battle or a conflict of, I have to work because I have bills. Those don't stop. And now I have a loved one who may have fell and slipped on the floor, and they need more attention, but I don't have that. The kids are in college or the kids are in high school. They're running up and down. Both myself and my spouse are, are in and out of work. We're, we're managing our home. And we just can't physically be there for our loved ones. So it's very difficult now And when we're asking, what do we do? Because a lot of us don't have those resources to keep our family members in the house. It's very expensive to have a nurse come to the house. It's very time taxing for you to take your loved one back and forth to physical therapy. Um, so it, 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 it's a struggle right now. It really is. And I know that when I was working at my nursing home, the other nursing home that I worked at actually had a, a cultural specific floor. And a, and a couple of the other buildings as well, you know, for Polish people, for those who were Vietnamese and also Filipino as well, um, they had a specific floor where um, they had murals that were in their language. Uh, they also had some cultural foods that they served as well, as long as there were no dietary restrictions. But we're just not there. So we're not seen. We're not visible and we're not heard. Now, I'm curious about the African-Americans, the Blacks, and the non-African immigrants, what's the difference between both groups as far as the aging communities there? Is there a significant difference that you noticed? About Africans and African-Americans? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the elderly, though. Uh, most of the, well, like I said before, like I stated, I only, I only had one that was actually African at my home, and he was Nigerian. But when I look at the community around me in Chicago, I can tell you that I see people in their 70s and their 80s and 90s, 
And I don't know if it's because we, we're, we we had a better experience back home with taking care of ourselves at a, at, at a very young age. Because as you know, um, building healthy habits when you're younger, it does pay off in the long run at the, at the later stages of your life. I've noticed that typically the African-Americans that I had in my building have five or more chronic conditions. And you stated it before. It was um, they, they're diabetic. Um, they've had a stroke. Um, they have uh, just a number of different diff- different um, conditions. And with Africans, I've just noticed that it's just hypertension, or it'll be possibly diabetes. Um, but I haven't really seen more than two chronic conditions, and they're out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm just ex- I, I'm, I'm stating my own personal experience, but. I haven't. Most of the Nigerians that I see, I don't. I don't see. I, I, I barely know anybody that uses a wheelchair at an older age. Mm-hmm. Now, the the one that I can tell you about is a cane, right. but people aren't using walkers or wheelchairs to that extent. And if they are, they're in their late eighties. But for African Americans, I've noticed that late sixties, early seventies. That it's one chronic condition or one stroke or heart attack that led them to have a series of other issues, and after after they get themselves in the system of being in the nursing home and being in and out, they they get stuck there. Whereas with the Africans, they 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 nurture themselves at home, or they'll delegate somebody to come to the house to take care, or delegate the one child to take care of the um, the the parent while the siblings rotate around to 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 come to whomever's house. But I, I've noticed a quite, quite a difference between the two, especially when it relates to mental health and Alzheimer's. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I just, it made, it made me really think as you were talking about sometimes if we have someone that's older, we will rather they go back home to Nigeria. Like a lot of our parents, right. we know right now are currently planning that as soon as they retire, where do they want to go? They want to go back home. Right? Back home. Back home. Right. Back They're not home. trying to stay in the U.S., right? They want to come, go back and relax because they know that over at home, that's where they'll get, you know, that attention. They'll get that care. But then there's also right. that other side of the game where it's like because of the chronic diseases, which we'll talk about as well, because I want to I have a, a, a bone to pick because I feel like our people don't talk about the chronic disease they have. But we'll talk about that. Later. Right. <laughs> but um, but I do think that there's also that angle of people who are being sent or traveled to the U.S. to receive that medical care that's lacking in Nigeria. So, like, how how do you see that being managed from a personal and professional angle? I see it being difficult within the next ten years. Realistically, right now we're 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 fortunate enough to be able to afford an airline ticket to take our parents, you know, back home or, and whatnot. But I've I've noticed it when with my mom's generation, it became more difficult for them to be taking their or to be paying for their loved ones to come back and forth uh, from Nigeria to the U.S. And then they end up at, at a certain point just staying back home because even they, they themselves, they get older, they can't, they, they can't um, fly as often. But let's be realistic. The healthcare system in Nigeria right now is not the best. If you have money, 
then yes, you are you are you are privileged enough to be able to be fine. Most of the older people that I know that live in Nigeria, if they do live by themselves, they have some sort of a more adult or like house help that's there to take care of them, to serve them their food, to make sure that they're taking care of, um, making sure that they get their medication and whatnot. And also being able to uh, still keep them engaged. They'll have a driver that still takes them to events. So that way they still have that community um, with them. And people visit their home. Um, but the healthcare system is not that great here right. for the majority of folks. Um, so they would like to come here or they do come here because they know for a fact that they will be able to get a full screening or full assessment and be treated properly um, for their care. And it's not to say that they don't give proper care in Nigeria. It's just that, or, or Africa as a whole, it's just that the U.S. has a better system in place for them. Right, because the rich, you know, if you're rich enough, you could be fine. But if you don't have it, then you kind of fall back among the the large crowd in Nigeria, as we know, and other, you know, African countries are very populated. Um, so that, that does pose a, a challenge. But okay, so now let me go back to what I, I have a problem with, because I think this is something that's very active in our, in our, in our uh, culture, which is we don't find out what's wrong with our elderly people until it's very close or too late. Tell me about it. There seems to be this issue... <laughs> There seems to be this issue, and it happens person. I can speak from my own personal experience, too, where it's like, by the time you look up, it's like, oh, mama is not feeling well. What happened? And like, what happened? Like, oh, you know, don't, she's just not feeling well. And then by the time she, anything happened and she passed, they'll say, oh, it was cancer. Oh, you like, cancer? Like, why, why didn't we know about this? Or, you know, she was, her, her, blood, her blood was not well. Her blood was, she had hypertension. Like, what? Wait, why didn't you tell me that this was happening so we can engage in some type of preventative practice? But it feels like the elderly never want to share what's going on with them. And sometimes we grow up feeling like we grow up feeling like our people are just so like immune to, you know, these type of chronic diseases when we're actually, you know, they're actually suffering from it. But they just don't say nothing. Am I, is it just me or am I like, no. No, you're not. You're, you're preaching to the choir right now. And the first word that came to my mind when you were talking about this is the word burden. Mm. Nobody wants to be a burden on their loved one. Nobody wants to be a burden on their community. Nobody wants to be a burden even to their own self. Mm. So what do Nigerians do or what do Africans do? We, 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 we suffer internally. We, we internalize everything. We'll just chalk it up to, I'm not feeling well. Let me push through. Because we have this resilient spirit and this, this I can do whatever I put my mind to mentality. If you know, look at the Nigerians that you know that came to this country with nothing that made themselves. That's the same same spirit that, that's still in all these older people. The only difference is that their mind is still active but their body is not complying mm -hmm. so when these things happen they're like you know what it'll it'll go away and you also have to understand that because the older people aren't saying anything that means that their loved one is not detecting detecting these things with them unless they they notice that they're saying keywords of, of oh i have a headache i, I have a migraine ah, this thing is is, is paining me and then they'll keep saying it and then the the child or 
the loved one was like, okay, you've been talking about this for quite some time. Let's go. Ah, no, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've, I've used anointing oil. Mm-hmm. I, I've used um, Tylenol, Panadol. I'm okay. I'm okay. It's that I'm okay that's killing us, yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, because of the simple fact that we don't know who wishes well or who don't wish well. Let's also let's also under uh, uh, also add the fact that some folks are superstitious. Uh, yes, that yeah. they don't want to share what's going on with them because they feel like something else bad would happen. Yeah, go ahead and speak on it a little bit more because I think you're touching on something. All right, so if I must go there, we say uh, I don't know what this person is doing in their own home. Maybe. Uh, Something else will happen. I don't want to, you know, go there, but I'll say it without saying that they don't. They know that every eye is not a good eye. There are evil mm-hmm. eyes that's out there. We believe in a lot of Nigerians believe in witchcraft. A lot of Nigerians believe that that somebody is doing something to them. But in all honesty, sometimes, majority of the time, ninety-five percent of the time, because I, I believe in that stuff too. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. But 95 to 99% of the time, I'll say 99% of the time, it is the simple fact that they are not doing their due diligence to themselves. Yeah. That's it. it. Some people die of hypertension. How? Some people die of not treating diabetes because they'll just hiss and say that it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Some people would die because they don't know how to put that meat down. Okay, some people will be eating all types of food, and you know it goes back to that food and diet study that we did pertaining to black transnationalists, yep. and also yep. that alcohol. Yep. Where they just don't put it down, and they get a, a heart attack, they have a stroke, and then they die. How many people you know died at the age of fifty something? Yeah. But no, and and they just you just die, you just slumped. Mm. We like we like that word, slumped. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's 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 it, it, it's a bad thing. And maybe us as people, maybe we have to do better with loving up on one another. And maybe people will feel as though they can open up their mouth and say something because the community is there. Yeah. Is that trust factor. Yeah. You know, some of the things that we're talking about, especially when we talk about chronic diseases, right? Like these diabetes and these cardiovascular ailments and hypertension and, you know, everything that's not necessarily heart attack or stroke. But these things are what we consider silent killers, right? Like you don't, it's not something that you feel every time. Sometimes you wake up and you feel like you're normal, right? So like hypertension is a silent killer. Diabetes can be a silent killer until it reaches the the, the worst stages. And because it's a silent killer, it kind of works well with our people who like to be silent about these diseases for whatever reason, including the superstition, which is a very powerful thing that controls us and how we behave. It's very convenient because these silent diseases just allow us to continue, allow our people to continue to be silent. And that's why right. by the time they're 50, they just slump or something happens and that's it, right? And, and I think that puts a lot of, when we talk about the word burden, let's talk about it not just from a stance of them not wanting to burden other people or themselves, but let's think about it from the eye of those who are their caretakers, Right, especially if it's yeah. their kids, right? And, and African culture, in most cases, as you've already mentioned, it's an honor. But most of the time, it's like the youngest child is the one that's oh, supposed gosh. to be is the one who's <laughs> supposed to be responsible for taking care of the eldest, right, or the parents yeah. at the end of the day, right? And primarily, they serve in that caretaking role. But 
you know, like when your people are not telling you what's going on, it's already stressful being a caretaker. But sometimes I also wonder from that perspective how much more stressful it is, you know, being able to be being feeling responsible for for your elderly relative and not knowing truly what's going on until it's too late. It's a big responsibility and it is very fearful and it's scary. Kalechi, I'll tell you this. My mother, I'm 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 blessed to have a, a wonderful and amazing mother. I come from a single parent household. My brothers weren't in the house. It was my grandfather and I. How does a 16, 17-year-old know different symptoms for their grandfather who's 95 at that time or 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 90, 94 at that time? Luckily, I come from a, a family that has a background in healthcare, so I'm privy to those things. Your average person does not know the symptoms of a stroke. Your average person can't tell you um, what does it look like or what to do in a in an emergency situation. And not only that, they just they just don't understand it because people don't talk about it. For me, it was it was my mom is about to go to work. My mom is with my grandfather majority of the time, but my mom would say, "Okay, your grandfather's food is right there. Like when he's ready, go warm it up for him." Um, X Y Z. That was my role. I am the youngest. I'm the youngest child out of five children. I'm also the youngest grandchild. So I I, I know that role because I, I lived in that role. And the caretaker within themselves, they it's either they're not aware, they're not knowledgeable, they don't know what to look for, or they're just confused entirely and just do what they know how to do. Mm-hmm. But you can't, and, and, and sometimes people put the phone on the caretaker when something bad happens to the uh, the loved one, the, um, the elderly loved one. It's just a lot to, to, to get through and there's a lot to work with, you know, being put in that position. So, okay, I think we've kind of talked a little bit about like what the issues are, what the problems are, but what do you think we need to do as young, aging members of this community? What do we need to do? in order to improve healthy aging in our community? Because and let me let me just add to that because, you know, we start to see a lot more efforts that's being done by, you know, the government and other researchers by promoting advertisements and different types of messages to show that, you know, it's, it's good to be active and it's good to engage in physical activity and all those things in the aging community, right? But I, I don't see that really geared towards our people. Right. I don't no. see I mean there's some for African Americans, but even not much. But even no. for like the black immigrants, I don't see that much. So what do you think we need to do to improve that? First and foremost is having an honest conversation with ourselves. It's the the key is communication. Right now a lot of us are lucky enough to be in a place where our parents are not yet in their seventies, eighties, nineties. Most of our parents are in their 60s, early 70s, if, if anything, or, or mid-70s, rather. First and foremost is that communication piece because you can only help yourself in your home first before you can go outside, or rather, you need to help yourself at home before you go outside. So it's having that conversation with your loved one and stating, okay, what are some of the illnesses that you may have? For example, both of my parents have hypertension. I know that I need to be aware of my salt intake. I need to be engaged in physical activity. I need to reduce my stress levels because those are factors 
that that relate to or contribute to hypertension. So it's it's that concept of first putting the mask on yourself and then putting it on the other person. You're helping yourself first, and then now you can you can help your loved one in in whichever way you want to go about it. But it's having that communication, and then. Sometimes when you don't ask your parents, you won't know that they'll say, oh, I have hypertension, I have diabetes, they, 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 they found a fibroid, there's a cyst. Because a lot of African-American women and African women are developing fibroids and cysts at a rapid rate. Yeah. It's having, it, it, it's knowing. Knowing is knowledge. Because at least if you know, you can, you can triage, you can, you can apply preventative health first. So, it's being able to understand what your parents or your loved one is facing. Then it's looking outside and finding resources for whatever the issue is. For example, um, when I needed to personally lose weight because I found out my parents both had hypertension, I, I looked at different resources and I found this recipe book called Lose It Nigerian, where it was alternatives to Nigerian foods that are, are relatively, I guess you can say, quote unquote healthy, taking that palm oil element out of my food. Very mm-hmm. difficult, but hey, I'm looking at the next decades ahead of me and saying, I gotta, I, I want to live. Right. I, I don't want to be in a nursing home. I And, it, and it's funny because I worked in one, but I don't want to be there because I've seen the system. It's not yet fixed. It, it, it's, it's a work in progress. So I'm taking the steps for myself. But there are resources that are outside that are also free. Google is free. That, that that people people say it all the time, but Google is free. You don't know what's going on in your neighborhood or you don't know what your city has. Google it. Aging in Dallas, aging in Houston, aging in Chicago, aging in DC. Resources for aging in these areas. There are some programs depending on what type of insurance you have or 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 um or rather uh, what type of state you live in that will offer either free resources or reduced price resources. If you need a caregiver, for example, some states or, or, or some cities do have applications that you could apply to that you'll get a discount with caregivers or you rather you get a, a lower rate where they're prorated um, or you'd even get it for free if your loved one has Medicaid, Medicare or um, some other insurance. And, and, and I would say also looking at what benefits you can apply for. You're not abusing it. And, and, and one thing that I would say I've noticed with, with Africans, specifically Nigerians, is that we don't want to benefit from resources outside because we know that we should be able to take care of ourselves. It's that burden. Mm-hmm. But we're putting more stress on ourselves by not utilizing the resources that are around us for little to no cost. Mm-hmm. So after you have that communication, you know, engagement with your loved one, you, you look for resources, you start applying. It's, it's difficult for you to change your, completely change your lifestyle. But it's those little changes. It's the, okay, I'm making stew, you know, for the week. Let me not use palm oil this time. Or let me go walk around my neighborhood. Or, okay, while I'm on WhatsApp with my family members from back home, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me walk around during that time while I'm on the phone. We love our Bluetooth. We put it in the air. Now we have the AirPods. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the little changes that make the big impact. It's dedication and consistency. Most times it's, it's too late. You know, I, I've seen different cases where, you know, people have all these issues and it's just too late. 
But right now is the time where we can be able to utilize our resources and, and do better. We can. I mean, we're resilient. We, we, we are so strong. We're so focused and, and strong-willed <laughs> that it's ridiculous that we can do anything we put our mind to. It's just that we don't feel like doing it sometimes. Yeah, I think I, I, that's well said. I think that as we are moving towards this new decade and these next 10 years, I mean, there are a lot of things that are going to happen within this next within this decade, right? There's going to be so many changes that we are going to see personally, um, even you know within ourselves, but we also see our family, our parents, our, our extended family and relatives, you know, they're going to be getting older and you just never know what's going to happen within this decade. Uh, but you know that what's inevitable is the aging process. So right. being able to be active and proactive about that seems to be a major key. And I think the communication is, is you hit the nail on the head because I think if not communicating with yourself and your family members, you know, you have to be that first point of contact, whoever you are. But we also have to be very aware about how our family members interact with, with the doctors and, and primary right. you know, providers because the, the truth of the matter is that, you know, our parents don't go to the doctor as much. They don't utilize these health services no. that much, right? We still, they still at least depend on these types of, you know, cultural practices and traditional um, methods of, of medicinal, you know, treatment. So like we right. still they still do that. We, you know, our parents are still part of that generation that still practices that. And you know, for us that's going to be there soon. I think we'll be probably more okay using the the doctors and, and relying on them. Yeah. But there still yeah. isn't that much like there aren't much culturally sensitive approaches that is respectful to our ways as first or second generation immigrant. There isn't that much out there that's really aware of our experiences culturally. And I think for the future, that's something that we have to be more vocal about to make sure that people understand who we are as transnationals, as people who travel back and forth or have family members that visit and go back to Nigeria or vice versa. Like all those things matter, right? And in order to really have effective treatment or effective communication to make sure that our people age healthily, all those things have to be put into account. Point blank period is up to us, you know? I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And that's why I made the transition from my role as a nursing home administrator to the one in which I have now, because I was putting out fires. I wasn't necessarily making an impact and utilizing my skill sets as best as I possibly could for my people and also for aging as a whole. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed enough to be able to put in projects, practices, pro, uh, pro, products, practices, and also programs in place that affect not only, you know, those who are within the, the, the healthcare system in which I work in, but also it streams outside as well, too. Um, and I'm able to put myself in a position where I have the ability to change the narrative. I have the ability to speak for my people. I It's difficult because I'm typically, I'll tell you 100% of the time and over the past five years, I'm the youngest person that's in the room. 
not only am I the youngest person, I'm typically the only African-American in the room. And if I'm not the only African-American in the room, I'm the only African that's inside the room. Less to talk of Nigerian. So, and I have the name Anuluakbo Ushideko. And I have to be a mouthpiece for my people. Right, and black people overall, because you're the only one in the room. And all, and all, I represent black people. They don't see, they see, oh, okay, yeah, you're from Nigeria, but they don't see that. They see this black young girl who's about to beat some things up, for lack of better words, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I've been doing. It, it's making sure that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hiding. I'm, you, I can't hide. And that's the mindset that I've had is that I have to go hard for my people while I have this position or while God has blessed me to be where I'm at. There is no other option because if I don't do that, we are screwed collectively. So I know that I have a responsibility and I have thoroughly accepted it. And now is your time for me to grind. Yeah. I mean, I think that that goes for all of us. We we all have to grind. And but we thank you for doing your part. But I think we all need to to play our parts as well as far as making sure that we take care of our loved ones, because as mentioned, where they are, we're going to be and where we are now, they have been. And we need to make sure that we are more vocal. And I mean, I know for those who are listening right now, you you may think that this is strictly about black immigrants, but I have to reassure you that this applies to all of us as black people, because the truth of the matter is we as a black community are overlooked. There's just some slow moving headway that's being made to focus on African-Americans. But the truth of the matter is that within that black community overall, African-Americans are just getting a small percentage of the attention now. But within the black community on a larger scale, we still have all these other cultural black groups that are not getting paid attention to because of this constant grouping that everybody is black and they all behave the same, which we know is not the truth. So it's important to know that even though we are focusing on some of these other cultural groups, there are still there's still a lot more that we need to do to just push for the attention of our aging black communities, period. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so. I agree. I, I agree. And we're in a place right now where all of us are, or a lot of us are in, you know, great positions to, to make that change. And it's deciphering and disseminating those different things outside. You know, if you have the resources, tell people, let it out, do what you need to do. But I'll tell you this. <laughs> We're not prepared right now. Mm. We are really not. People don't even have health uh, healthcare, not healthcare insurance. People don't even have life insurance. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many people that at the later stages, they don't. They have to now apply for Medicare, Medicaid, and they don't even know how to go about it. But their counterparts who are non-minorities have done that years ago. Yeah. yeah. So. I just really urge that communication and, and applying applying those resources heavily. But it, it's doable. It's, it's nothing that can't be done in, with, in everything that I'm stating. It's, it's all doable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's just a good way to kind of stop this conversation and, and conclude it um, because I think we can talk about this all day. But I think the main take-home, uh, takeaway, I should say, is to definitely make sure that we continue to raise awareness 
um, and and be more proactive about this, uh, whether it's here or overseas or whether we go back and forth. But Anu, I would like to just thank you on behalf of the show for for taking the time to just share with us your passion um, and just and just spend time educating us about your experiences and what we need to be able to do um, moving forward in regards to the aging of our people and ourselves. Thank you. I really appreciate you giving me this platform and the opportunity to talk about something that is typically not even discussed um, in our community. So I appreciate you. No doubt, no doubt. And definitely this won't be the last time. There's always more to come because, like I mentioned, there's going to be so much more that we can be able to unpack when it comes to the aging of our people. So definitely um, best of luck in everything that you're doing. Proud of you. Uh, So I think we'll talk again. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. All right. You have a good one. So that's going to do it for this episode of My Black is Transnational. I'd like to thank our guest, Ms. Anu Oshiriko, for joining us on the show and sharing with us her passion and her expertise. It was a very good conversation that I think we all needed to hear and, and learn from. Hopefully, you all had something to take out of it. If you'd like to learn more about her and other guests on the show, you can check out our website at www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com podcast, or you can check us out on Instagram at Black Transnational Podcast, or you can check out my page at Black Transnational underscore. This podcast is available on any of your favorite podcast listening apps. So if you want to hear more or subscribe to the podcast, you can find us on any of your favorite podcast apps. So until then, I'd like to thank you all for listening. My name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lambert. My black is transnational. And I hope by the end of this, yours will be too. Peace. <laughs>